So what exactly would you do for $300 million? Time once again to sit back and relax with your favorite drink and listen. Grandpa Henry was a reclusive man. He didn't just like being left alone. He hated people with a burning passion. Something I'm sure was greatly responsible for his ruthless business practices that helped him turn his father's wealth into an eye-popping fortune. Society returned the favor, and he turned into an angry, friendless man by the time retirement came calling. Out of work, out of people who gave a shit, stuck in an increasingly loveless marriage, he became more and more like Ebenezer Scrooge as time went by. After Grandma Nancy passed away, he decided he'd had enough of humanity and retreated to his large manor out in the wilderness, away from the prying eyes of his mostly greedy family, rival capitalists and intrusive journalists, fully embracing the hermit lifestyle. So, unlike Mr. Scrooge, there was no one around him for miles to try and melt his frigid heart, and he died as he lived, cold and alone. It had been well over a decade since I'd last seen him, Hell, I was still in high school. At that time, my parents dragged me to his palatial house and forced me to smile and deal with his loathsome attitude. He grumbled, picked faults with every little thing my mum did, and went on bizarre, bigoted rants. It was just unpleasant. I only realised this morning when I was packing my bags that it was the last time I was ever going to meet with him. Well, I couldn't work myself up to tears, but... I did feel some semblance of guilt welling within me for completely ignoring him. It was my dad who told me about his passing. Everybody wanted a slice of the pie that Grandpa Henry was going to serve after he died, and my father was no different, being barely able to contain his glee when he invited me to attend his funeral, and, more interestingly, the reading of his will later on in the evening. I'd made up my mind to skip the whole thing, as I had a very important meeting on the day of the funeral, but mostly because I wanted to avoid the inheritance-related family drama that was bound to follow the reading of the will. My girlfriend Allison was the one who made me change my plans, fascinated as she was with the prospect of visiting a Victorian-style manor. So, is it as beautiful and romantic as you'd imagined? I asked as I drove up the winding road, the tires kicking up dust as they crushed the gravel underneath. She grinned. Better! truly was a beautiful sight, undulating hills covered in grass that curved and warped as frosty winds danced on them, rolling hills that surrounded the summit on which Grandpa Henry had built his little palace. I slowed down as we came closer to our destination, taking the time to properly drink in the view. Towering turrets that thrust up into the bright moonlit sky, like spears of ancient warriors, Arched glass windows proudly looking down upon the well-maintained garden, enclosed by a sturdy wall that finished its circumscribing journey on a wrought iron gate. It was a place that had stood the test of time, maintaining its dignity and poise throughout. Snow-capped peaks that were barely visible at this time of night dotted the distant landscape behind the imposing manor, completing the picturesque scenery. Oh my God! Alison giggled. Your grandfather even had a butler. Sure he did. Frank was the only person in the world who could tolerate Grandpa's surly and entitled attitude without devolving into fits of uncontrollable rage, or so I'd heard. He fiddled with the buttons of his black suit, and then brought his gloved hand out to open Allison's door when I brought the car to a halt. 
Good evening, ma'am. He greeted her warmly before turning to me. Good evening, sir. Please head to the living room up ahead. Everyone is waiting for you. I shivered as the cold air stabbed at my skin. Oh, God, are we really the last to arrive? Oh, fuck. I could hear the murmuring as I hopped the short stairs to the front door. The chattering instantly stopped as I soundlessly pushed the door open, and more than a dozen heads swung in our direction. Wood crackled and burned in the fireplace, desperately trying to sweep aside the awkward silence with its dying embers. I held the door open, allowing Alison to walk before me, who smiled and thanked me. Well, well, well. Looks like the prodigal son has arrived. Finally decided to join us vultures, have you? <laughs> to see what dear father left for you. Good to see you too, Uncle Freddy. I greeted the blonde, boarding man, wearing a bright red sweater. My father's younger brother was as caustic as ever. Oh, cut it out, Freddy, my mama said as she came and gave me a hug, before helping us put our coats away. I shook my father's hand, waved at my sister and her husband, and then went and sat on one of the empty couches, pulling Alison close to me. Uh, can we please get started with what we came here for? Uncle Freddy asked, annoyed. Jonathan. He looked at a man in a grey suit who nodded and stood up. Good evening, everyone, he said as he stood near the fireplace, such that all eyes in the spacious room were on him. I am Henry's lawyer, here to tell you the terms of his will. I'll keep it simple, since it's best not to waste time. Three hundred million dollars, he continued. That is the sum total of Henry's movable and immovable assets, and that is what is at stake here tonight. Damn, that's a lot of money. Way more than I was expecting, and if the furious whispers around me were anything to go by, I wasn't the only one feeling this way. Jonathan cleared his throat, and the room went silent again. Now, as is written in the will, all of that money will go to the winners of the inheritance game that you will all participate in tonight. The what? The game? What's the meaning of this? Is this a joke? The voices rose, with everyone shouting to make themselves heard over the din, which in turn got even louder increasingly sounding like the buzzing of a giant nest of bees that someone had chucked a stone at. Jonathan tried to get them to quiet down, but no one bothered to listen, so he threw his hands up in frustration and walked out, before coming back into the room, this time flanked by two men wearing goat masks and carrying 12-gauge pump-action shotguns. A sudden, fearful silence fell upon the room like a thick, suffocating shroud as people tried to make sense of this strange sight. Now, I'll explain the rules of the inheritance game to you. Please don't interrupt me. I'll take any questions you have after I'm done speaking, Jonathan said authoritatively. Your family's a bit weird, Alison chuckled nervously, and I held her hand tightly in a reassuring manner. Jonathan began explaining the rules of the game, and everyone listened in a shocked silence, barring a few gasps and some, oh my God's here, and some smug disbelieving snorts there. Well, I'll transcribe the rules here as best as I can remember them. Everyone sitting in the room plays the game, regardless of their age. To win, survive until the crack of dawn at 6am. The inheritance money will be split equally among all those who survive. 
Escaping or attacking the administrators will result in immediate disqualification and on-the-spot execution. Intentionally damaging the cameras will result in the same. At least one less than half the players must die. If that doesn't happen by the morning, everyone will be executed and the money goes to the board of directors of the company. Each murder costs $10 million, i.e. for each person you directly kill, you lose $10 million of your share of the inheritance money. Weapons can be bought from the inventory shack near the swimming pool in the backyard, using the inheritance money. Caution. If the amount of money you've spent or lost exceeds the share of the inheritance you'll receive if you survive, then you too shall be executed. On the other hand, your expenses have no impact on the inheritance other surviving players will receive. If more than half of the players agree, some or all of the rest can be removed from the game and executed, and no amount will be deducted from your inheritance. You must get the signatures of the needed number of players on a piece of paper, along with the names of those you want to remove from the game, and submit it to the inventory shack. Oh, for a second after Jonathan had finished speaking, we gawped at him in amazement. Then everyone exploded in a thunderous uproar. Fear, disbelief, outrage. One could find every flavor of emotion one can reasonably expect people to have in a situation like this. It was Uncle Mitchell, Dad's youngest brother, who ended up becoming our unofficial spokesperson, simply because of his volume. Oh, you can't be fucking serious, Jonathan, he shouted. This is a disgusting fucking joke. Stop this and tell us about the real goddamn will. I'm afraid it is no joke, Jonathan replied calmly, and I shall make a demonstration of the seriousness of your situation. He signaled to the henchman on his right, who walked up and pulled his gun up. The shotgun rocked in his hand and boomed, sending up a small cloud of smoke and making me momentarily deaf. And almost instantly, Uncle Mitchell's head bloomed in the most grotesque red-colored flower I'd ever seen in my life. And then, the screaming started. I think I must have been around 10 years old when I went out and bought a copy of the 1987 Robocop movie and sneakily watched it along with my sister Paddy when our parents went home. Well, that was the start of my obsession with blood and gore. I devoured every R-rated film that I could get my hands on, not caring how trash the movie actually was, as long as there was visceral, gut-churning violence, well, I was game. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I thought I had a strong stomach for this kind of stuff, but I was wrong. Nothing prepares you for the real thing. Uncle Mitchell's head exploded, spraying blood and chunks of flesh and bone everywhere. There was an unwanted wetness on my face, and I had to blink my eyes to clear my vision. I shook my head to get rid of the annoying ringing sound in my ears that accompanied the deafeningly loud boom of the shotgun, and then wiped my face. By the time I fought my way out of the disorientation caused by the gunshot, I saw there was complete pandemonium in the room. Uncle Mitchell's boyfriend, Wyatt, was emptying the contents of his stomach on the carpeted floor. Some of the guests were hysterically screeching their lungs off, while Jonathan and his two lackeys in the goat masks were already making their way out of the sliding glass door that led to the swimming pool. Hey, 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 you okay? 
Alison asked, her beautiful raven hair now carrying streaks of a vile shade of crimson. I nodded. We're going to die. We're going to die. James, my brother-in-law, whimpered on the couch to my left as Paddy tried to comfort him. It was my dad who brought some order to the chaos. Ashen-faced, hands trembling, he staggered past his brother's semi-headless corpse and collapsed nervously as he positioned himself where the murderous lawyer had stood a couple of minutes ago. I... I know, he croaked, before he took a deep breath and began speaking loudly. I know it's hard, but this is not the time to grieve or lose our heads to fear. We need to think of a way out of this situation. What? What's there to think about? spat Uncle Freddy. There were eighteen of us here. One less than half, that is, at least eight need to die. Someone sobbed as he verbalized this. Seventeen, Paddy said softly. There's only seventeen left now. We can't kill each other, Uncle Brad, Grandpa Henry's oldest son, exclaimed. This is our fucking family. We're not going to slaughter each other over some sick fucking game. What do you suggest we do, smartass? Uncle Freddy snapped. Hold hands and walk to our deaths with a smile on our faces? Wyatt, Mitchell's boyfriend, started crying. There was a flash of disgust on Freddy's face. Well, we can try to escape, I offered. Run in different directions all at once. They can't possibly have the necessary resources to track us all down simultaneously and kill us, right? I mean, run to a place where we can get a signal on our damn phones and get the cops. And what if they do get to us? Uncle Freddy asked pointedly. What if they kill us all, huh? What then? I had no answer to that. We can fight, Allison said, clutching my hand tightly. Everyone turned to look at her. We can all go and buy weapons from the inventory shack and use them to fight our way out. Ah, it's too damn risky, Freddy muttered, running his fingers through whatever little hair he had on his head. Oh, they're watching us right now. They could kill us on the spot if we tried something like that. And what do you suggest we do, asshole? Uncle Brad thundered. Because to me, it seems like you actually want to play this game. How fucking dare you? Please, my mom begged. Don't fight. Don't give them what they want. Freddy is right. I turned my head to see who had said that. Cameron, Uncle Brad's son-in-law, stood up. All the suggestions that have been made here are great, honestly. But it's too risky. We can't. Too many variables. It's, it's just... I understand that, son. It's... began Uncle Brad. No, you don't, Dad. Cam cut him off harshly. No, you don't. Brandy's pregnant. We're going to have a child. He put his hand on his wife's shoulder. He buried her head in her hands. Uncle Brad gawped at them as his wife cried out and hurried over to comfort their daughter. An uncomfortable silence choked the conversation out of the room and I sat there just staring at the soft, hypnotic flames in the fireplace. The wood crackled loudly, and out of tune with my cousin sobbing. Hi, Cameron said, awkwardly breaking the silence. Um, I think we need some time to ourselves. 
How about we all go to our rooms and take some time to think? There's still time, right? The tension was somewhat diffused at that, and everyone began to get up. Not me, Freddy said obstinately. I'm staying here to keep an eye on the back door. Can't trust you all not to sneak out and buy a weapon. Ah, oh, jeez, Freddy, my dad said. No one here is going to betray our family. You can't fucking know that. Yes, I do. Whatever problems we might have, I still have faith in this family. You need to as well. He didn't look like he was going to be convinced, but one stern Freddy from his wife, and he reluctantly quit his grumbling and stomped upstairs to his bedroom. The room that was assigned to us was on the ground floor itself. I was listlessly walking towards it when Allison pulled my hand and dragged me off to the kitchen. I looked at her, confused, as she furiously started digging through the various drawers. What are you doing? I asked. Looking, she replied, as she stood on her toes to look at the mostly empty shelves. All the knives have gone. There's nothing here that can be used as a weapon. Jesus, Sally. She jogged over to the stove and turned it on. Oh, wow. This works. Why? I mean, a gas explosion would threaten the administrators too. Allie, what are you doing? She stopped searching, then came over and hugged me. I'm sorry. I was the one who forced you to come here. I wiped her tears away. It's okay. Let's just focus on surviving, yeah? She nodded. Besides, Victorian mansions and murder mysteries have a very ancient relationship, so we can't be exactly surprised that this happened, right? She chuckled and buried her head in my chest. <laughs> okay, she said a couple of seconds later. Give me a brief overview of your family. You know, who's who and all that jazz. I raised my eyebrow just to know who can potentially vote us off the island. I nodded. Grandpa Henry had four sons. as Uncle Brad, his wife, and their two daughters. Both married, including Brandy, who just announced her pregnancy. Then comes my father. Two children, me and Patty. Then Uncle Freddy. He has one son, Vincent, who came here with his boyfriend. And lastly, there is, I mean was Uncle Mitchell and his boyfriend Wyatt. So there's four smaller families in this large one? She asked. I nodded. Six people each in Uncle Brad's and my father's families. Four in Uncle Freddy's case and Wyatt. Six, six, four and one, she said. You need nine for a majority. Which means that assuming families stick together, any potential vote would basically be a face-off between our family and Uncle Brad's. It's the only mathematical possibility, I replied. The entire fight would be about getting the support of Uncle Freddy's family. Do you think Cameron knew this? Allie asked. Maybe that's why he split us up, to try and get Uncle Freddy's support? My eyes widened at the thought. Oh, fuck. What do we do? Let's take this one step at a time. Who do you think Uncle Freddy will side with? I shook my head. I don't know. I mean, he hated Uncle Mitchell. Thought that he was the one responsible for turning Vincent, his son, gay. So he'll avoid siding with whichever group has Wyatt. But, uh, well, Vincent owes a lot to Uncle Mitchell and Wyatt, 
planet. Well, they'd supported him when Freddy threatened to disown him for his sexuality. He wouldn't vote to kill Wyatt off that easily. So, if we get Wyatt and Vincent along with his boyfriend on our side, we'd have nine members, Allison stated. Holy fuck, Allie. Are you really suggesting that we kill them off? No, she said loudly, and then lowered her voice. No, but we can't force a stalemate. Even if Cam and Uncle Brad somehow manage to get Uncle Freddy and his wife on their side, they can't kill us off. They'd still be one member short, and we can then think about what to do afterwards. <sighs> Going behind their backs would be a massive breach of trust, I warned. We have no proof that they're conspiring against us. There's no harm in being cautious, she argued. Do you really want to be caught off guard and get killed over presumptions of family unity? This is our lives we're talking about here. But what if our actions rouse their suspicions, and even become the reason they decide to act against us? I countered. Yeah, it's possible, she agreed. But we really can't leave this up to chance. Cameron would be desperate enough to do anything to protect his pregnant wife. I mean, wouldn't you do the same? Fuck, I swore. Okay, how do we do this? We can't just waltz into their room. It's too suspicious. Let's ask Wyatt to go and talk to Vincent and his boyfriend. They have a close relationship. It wouldn't be that weird if he's the one to talk to them, Allison said. Hmm, and then we go and speak with Uncle Freddy to see where his head's at. I added. We decided to split up. Allison went to talk to my parents and Paddy about what we were planning on doing, while I chose to take the stairs and go up to Wyatt's room. As I knocked on his door, I noticed movement to my right. It was Cameron, coming out of Uncle Freddy's room. He nervously nodded at me, and then scampered off. Mm, not good. Not good at all. The door opened, and Wyatt's disheveled and puffy face popped out of the darkness. It was evident he'd been grieving. Hey, Adam, he greeted weakly. Mind if I come in? I asked hastily. He nodded and moved back, letting me in. A couple of minutes later, I'd informed him about our assumptions and intentions, his eyes growing more and more alert with each second as he grasped the gravity of his situation. So, you understand what we need to do, right? I questioned. Frame it as a matter of saving everyone, and not a betrayal, okay? He shook his head. I can try, but please be warned. Vincent and Freddy have a very complicated relationship. That boy craves his father's approval more than anything. He could easily be manipulated into doing something he would later regret. Even if his boyfriend objects? Yeah, and that would be enough to give them a majority and kill us all off. Yeah, I understand, I said. But it doesn't change the fact that we must try regardless. I got up, stretching my arms, which popped loudly. Okay, I'm going to leave now. Go to him a couple of minutes after that. If anyone asks, tell them I was just checking up on you. I shook his hand and slipped out of his room and hurried downstairs to find Allison waiting for me. Panic evident in her eyes. It's your dad, she said, scared. He's missing. What? I shouted. Shh, please, she said, looking around to see if anyone was eavesdropping. 
We don't know if someone from the family is responsible for it yet, or if he's just off somewhere doing whatever, but regardless, we can't let the others know. It'll weaken our position. I ran past her, ignoring her warning and frantically checking for my father in every nook and cranny of this damned house. I saw Mum outside her room, looking inconsolable as Paddy tried to reason with her, with her decidedly frightened-looking husband hovering around. What in the fuck happened? I asked, slightly out of breath. Mum said she went to the bathroom to clean up, Paddy replied. But when she came out, Dad was gone. We've looked all over, but we just can't find him, Alison added. Someone's got him, Adam, Mum cried. They've killed him for the money. Oh, we don't know that. Have you looked up? I was cut off by loud, angry shouts from behind me. I turned around and saw Cameron coming down the stairs, holding a piece of paper in his hand, with Wyatt begging and pleading along the way. The others were right behind him, scared, guilty, but also resolute. Fuck. Things just keep going from bad to worse. Jesus Christ. James, Paddy's husband, whispered, his voice trembling. I bolted towards the living room and quickly stood in front of the glass door that opened up to the pool. Hey! Hey! I shouted. Don't fucking do this! Get out of the way, Adam, Cameron said, his voice low and teeth gnashed furiously together. I told you! I told you! Wyatt shouted. Step aside. I noticed a certain madness in Cam's eyes and realized with a sinking feeling he was beyond the point where reason or logic could sway him. You can't do this, Patty yelled. I'm sorry, but there's no other way, said Freddy as he nudged Cameron. You're killing us, Mum cried. You're killing us. She walked up to Uncle Brad. Brad! When he turned away in shame, she pleaded to his wife. Samantha, please... Move! Cameron shoved me aside, making my ribs crash into the glass and walk past me. No! James slammed into him and they both fell and started struggling with each other. Freddy tried to rush Cameron, but he was already held back by a desperate Wyatt. The others just stood silently gawking at the spectacle. Adam! Allison screamed. We need to make that paper worthless. It's the only way. She picked up a wooden chair and began swinging it like a club. My heart began to pound in my chest as it instantly became clear what she was asking of me. It would change everything, but it was the only way. My eyes hardened as I resolved myself to do the unthinkable. I walked away from the door and towards Aunt Samantha. She looked at me, confused, before her facial muscles contorted into an expression of disbelieving horror as she saw the look on my face and understood my intentions. I pounced on her, shoving her down to the ground, before wrapping my hands around her throat and began to squeeze so hard my fingers turned white. Everything had turned into white noise for me as I focused on the unholy task at hand. It was a marvel that no one dragged me off her. I didn't know it at the time, but Alison fought like a woman possessed to keep everyone away from me with Paddy and Mom doing their best to support her. The nerves in my arms bulged, and the muscles surrounding them pulled and tightened so hard I felt like they were going to pop out. 
Aunt Samantha thrashed around like a fish out of water, scratching at my arms to get herself free. But the fight slowly but surely left her. I squeezed and squeezed and squeezed till the light left her eyes and her arms dropped to her side, cold and limp. And then I squeezed some more, my fingers now digging into the flesh of her corpse. I had just killed someone. And it wasn't some random stranger off the streets that I dragged into a dimly lit alley and murdered for money, while using the cover of darkness to shield my conscience from the grotesque display. No. It was my own Aunt Samantha, whose life I had choked out with my bare hands under the harsh, seemingly judgmental light of the ornate lamps that hung from the ceiling. Memories, ancient and unwanted, flashed through my mind, unbidden, as I knelt over her corpse, motionless. I could almost taste the cookies she used to love to make for us. Look away, now. I tore my gaze from my lifeless eyes that still glinted under the soft glow of the fireplace and took in the scene around me, which seemed to play in slow motion. Allison was hovering around me protectively, brandishing a mangled, blood-stained chair as a weapon while roaring like a lioness protecting her cubs as she and an exhausted Wyatt tried to fend off Uncle Brad, whose sharp blue eyes were filled with a sort of anguish I had never seen in my life hinting at the deep wound I had inflicted on his very soul. I averted my own eyes quickly, before the guilt could successfully rip my mind to pieces. Uncle Freddy was sprawled on the ground nearby, unconscious, with blood gushing out of a gash on his forehead, ruining the expensive rug underneath. His wife, Aunt Susan, was on her knees beside him, worriedly checking his pulse. Out in the backyard, I could see my brother-in-law, James, locked in a desperate struggle for survival with both Cameron and Aidan, Uncle Brad's other son-in-law. What in the world had happened to us? Just a slight nudge and we descended into murderous madness, with me taking the lead in plunging down to the deepest depths of hell. Why? A loud splash of water jolted me back to reality. He can't swim! He can't swim! A feminine scream from upstairs dashed down at us after James sent Cameron flying into the pool with a solid kick to the chest. Aidan wasted no time and dove in after him. Uncle Brad, in a fit of monstrous rage, tore through the human barricade preventing his advance and charged in my direction. I scampered off to the side, terrified more at the prospect of what I could potentially do to the grieving man than anything else, but I needn't have worried. He didn't come for me, but cradled his wife's head in his lap and sobbed uncontrollably. I felt a hand on my shoulder. Adam. The hand shook me. Adam. It was Wyatt, looking at me wide-eyed. It's not over, he whispered furiously. Galen didn't vote, but everyone else did. And now they outnumber us by one. We have to do something. My eyes quickly swept the surroundings once again, and sure enough, Vincent and his boyfriend Galen were nowhere to be seen. Now, Adam, Wyatt's voice trembled, that paper could still kill us. Understood. I nodded as I got onto my feet gingerly. Allison, get our people out of here. I'm going to be right back. Our people? 
When had my subconscious become comfortable with that distinction? My feet were moving before I even realised it. I bolted out the open glass door, the chilly mountain breeze crawling up my spine. I stumbled as I skidded on the slippery floor outside, but swiftly regained my balance and went running past the people huddled in a corner near the pool. He's going to the shack! Brenda, Uncle Brad's other daughter, shouted. Stop him! But I was already upon the small brick-and-mortar guesthouse that had been renamed by our tormentors as the Inventory Shack. I nudged the door open, and bright white light came pouring out on the tiled floor underneath my feet, casually overpowering the weak moonlight already present there. I took a deep breath and stepped in. They'd hung a black cloth across the room, effectively splitting it into two. The only thing on my side was a chair and a table and Frank, Grandpa Henry's butler, was sitting on the former. I turned to my left and stared down the barrel of a shotgun. Frank, I said accusingly. Good evening, Master Adam, he said jovially. Congratulations on being the first one to arrive at the inventory shack. How can I help you? Well, you can start by asking this son of a goat freaking whore to quit pointing a gun at me. I spat as I looked venomously at this masked asshole. A uh, necessary precaution, he replied, dismissively waving his hand. So, you're interested in purchasing something? He offered what looked like a menu of a high-end restaurant to me. I skimmed through it, noticing it listed guns and their prices. Just give me a shotgun, I snapped, tossing the menu down on the table. Which one? I'll take whatever the chef recommends. He nodded and then clapped his hands. Moments later, another scumbag in a goat mask walked out from behind the curtain holding a sleek black shotgun in his hand. This is the Mossberg 500, said Frank. It holds five shells. If you count the one in the chamber, that's six shots without reloading. I walked forward to take the gun. That'll be a uh, hundred million dollars. Jesus Christ. Uh, happy hunting, Frank added with a smile as I walked out of the shack, now a hundred and ten million dollars down, ready to stain my soul with the blood of some more family members. Aiden had successfully rescued Cameron and was now performing CPR on him. I felt a painful tightening in my chest as I realized I was going to make all his efforts useless. Brenda shrieked when she saw me. He's got a gun. Aiden, come on. We have to go. Please. She pulled at her husband's arm, who refused to budge. So intent was he on saving his friend. I got closer, my footsteps now echoing off the floor. Adam, please, she begged. Don't do this. She looked at her husband again. Aiden, let's go. I cocked my head and looked inside the house only to see Uncle Brad and the others scurrying in different directions. My actions had caused total chaos. My head swooned, and my knees trembled as a massive explosion of guilt from deep within me threatened to destroy my control over my senses. Brenda finally made Aidan aware of the impending danger, stalking him, and dragged him off into the house, shouting expletives at me the whole way. I stopped near Cameron's wet body trail of water and saliva ran from the corner of his mouth, 
all the way down to the ground. He coughed once, making his watery lungs gurgle. I aimed the gun at his chest. I hesitated. Do it. My parents, my sister, Alison, their lives were on the line. Cameron would do the same. No, he did do it. Only James and I didn't let him succeed. My shoulders tightened as my finger neared the trigger. Adam, please. I looked up to see where that muffled voice was coming from. Couldn't quite make it out from here, but I knew it was Brandy, peering down at us from the darkness of her room upstairs. Please, she said hoarsely, as if every word pulled and scraped at her tired throat. We're going to have a child. Let him go. Tears blurred my vision and I faltered, but only for a second. I have to do this, Brandy. No, you don't, she cried. End this. We'll all run away together, just as you said. Please, just, just stop this. It's too late for that now, Brandy. No, it isn't. We can still... I cut her off. Did you sign the paper? Silence. Well, did you? I asked again, sighing as I got no answer other than some pain-filled sobs. Please, look away, Brandy. You shouldn't watch this. Her screaming was almost as loud as the boom of the shotgun. I found him in our bedroom, looking extremely shaken. Alison jumped out of her chair and wrapped her arms around me when I entered the room. I'm sorry, baby, she wept. I'm so sorry. It's okay, I said. I had to do it. It was the only way. That's not what she meant, Adam. Patty interrupted me. It's Mom. My heart skipped a beat. What about Mom? They've taken her, Wyatt replied, nervously twiddling his thumbs as he paced around the room. Vincent came downstairs while you were in the shack and helped the others drag her upstairs after knocking her out. God damn it. Why didn't any of you fucking do anything? I yelled. I was helping James. I, I didn't pay attention, Patty replied softly. Brad hit Allison on the back of her head and I rushed to help her, Wyatt added. Look, it just happened so fast, man. Oh, fuck. I turned and walked out of the room, tightly clutching the shotgun in my hands as the others ran after me, asking me not to be too hasty. But I was blinded with rage. First my dad goes missing, now they dare to take my mom. Mom, where are you? I screamed as I entered the beautiful living room, which was now marred with Aunt Samantha's corpse. Mom, I yelled. Where is she? I'll fucking kill anyone who hurts her. Adam, someone shouted from above. She's here. I recognized that voice. It was Aiden. I should have shot that bastard when I had the chance. Don't come up. I'll throw her out of the window he warned. It might only be the first floor, but let's see how a skull takes it if I drop her head first. My heart pounded as my body burned with anger. What do you want, Aiden? Alison asked from beside me. Fuck you, you psycho bitch. I'm not talking to you. What do you want, asshole? I spat. 
A simple exchange, he replied. Your mom for your gun. Fuck no, James swore under his breath. Don't listen to this shit. Just go upstairs and shoot the fucker. I put my finger on my lip, and he shut up. How do we know you won't just kill us afterwards, Aiden? You'll just have to take that risk, I guess. <laughs> you can't expect us to agree on that, Wyatt exclaimed. Silence followed that. I guess they were arguing about how to proceed. A new voice joined in a couple of tense moments later. Hey, Adam. It's me, Freddy. How about this? You leave the shotgun near the stairs and we'll come pick it up when we're dropping Daisy off. Allison tugged at my arm and quickly whispered in my ears. Okay, I agreed. We'll do it, but the gun will be on the coffee table in the center of the room. Fine. Oh, this is fucking stupid, James swore, after we were sitting in our room post the negotiations. If we're giving them the gun, we might as well write our own names on a piece of paper and take it to the damn shack. I'll do anything to save Mom, James, I replied. Anything. But you're not, are you, you thick fuck? Look, she'll just end up dead anyway. Don't worry. We're not going to die, Allison said because we're not giving them a loaded gun. I think they may have guessed that already, Paddy said. Oh, then why are they agreeing to this? They'll take a significant advantage away from us, Ali replied. And don't forget, we're barely evenly matched at this point. Seven to seven. Four in Uncle Freddy's family, Uncle Brad, his two daughters, and one surviving son-in-law. And that's if we include your missing father and kidnapped mom and exclude Galen, who refused to vote to kill us. If we lose the gun, he changes his mind. We could be back where we all started. Yeah, it'll be hard for us to stop them this time, I added. Well, now that they know what I'm capable of. No, what we are capable of. Allison corrected me, and she grabbed my hand reassuringly. It was a collective decision on our parts. We all chose to help you do it, Adam. Not to mention they forced us into this position. I won't let you shoulder the guilt all by yourself. I won't allow it. Yeah, Wyatt nodded. I pushed you into killing Cameron. I killed him just as much as you did. I could tell he genuinely meant that by the heavy guilt and sorrow I saw in his puffy eyes. So, what now? James asked. I think we should try and take both the gun and Daisy, Allison answered. I have a plan. Around 15 minutes later, I was back in the living room, shouting to make my voice heard upstairs. All right, I've placed the gun on the table. You can bring Mom downstairs now. Aiden replied almost immediately. Oh, change my mind, Adam. We'll take the gun first and then send your mother downstairs. Fuck. They must have talked among themselves. Allison shook her head furiously and mouthed, No, at me. That's not happening. You bring my mom down, take the gun up simultaneously. Don't test me, Adam. I'll hurt her, I swear it. No, you don't test me, Aiden. Do as I tell you, or I'll come marching up the stairs and fucking slaughter the lot of you. Understand? I could hear them arguing with each other. 
A short while later, he shouted that he was coming down and asked us to clear the area. So, I ran and hid beneath the staircase. I could see Alison hiding behind a curving wall, holding one of the legs of the chair that she'd been using in the last fight, the broken end sharp enough to pierce skin now. Wyatt, Paddy and James were similarly positioned, just out of sight of anyone coming downstairs. I heard heavy, lumbering footsteps above me. Two, no, three people. I clenched my fists as I heard my mother groan. Do you see it? Freddy whispered. Yes, it's there, Aiden replied. And nobody's around either. Be careful. I will. Aiden sprinted towards the coffee table, quickly picking up the gun. Damn, fucking thing is empty, just like you said. What are you doing? Don't waste... I ran out of my hiding spot and charged at a shocked Aiden, slamming into him and taking him through the glass table, which shattered on impact, the broken glass lacerating my arms. James and Wyatt followed suit, attacking Freddy who was desperately trying to retreat back upstairs. Aiden and I struggled on top of numerous shards of glass, trying to wrestle the gun away from the grasp of the other person. When it looked like I was going to get the upper hand, he gave up entirely and started raining heavy blows down on my back, knocking the wind out of my lungs. I groped for a piece of glass I could use as a weapon, my hand finally finding something usable, getting cut up pretty badly in the process. Gritting my teeth, I fought through the pain and tried to plunge my makeshift knife into Aiden's ribs, but he was faster, and a sharp pain erupted in my sights, making stars dance in front of my eyes. The glass sank in with a sickening thunk, and I almost blacked out, but he twisted the glass and pushed it in deeper, making me scream in agony. I rolled off of him, and he quickly jumped on top of me, ready to stab me again. He might well have finished me off if it hadn't been for Allison, who swung her piece of wood hard at his head, and then kept on swinging until he collapsed on top of me. I took full advantage of his descent and thrust my shard of glass into his throat. It was his own momentum that sealed his fate, the glass going in so deep that there was absolutely no hope for him left. Warm, coppery blood poured down on my face and neck, and I frantically pushed him off me, spitting to clear my mouth. Are you okay? Alison asked as she helped me get up. I nodded. It hurt like hell, but I'd live, and that was what was truly important. I picked the gun off the broken table, and hovered over to where James, Paddy, and Wyatt were fighting with a rough old Freddy, who was trying to fight his way to me, using what looked like a slat from a bed to fend them off. I quickly pulled out the shells and began stuffing them in the shotgun. Aiden! Freddy shouted, but then a flash of fear crossed his face as he saw me loading the gun. More footsteps on the staircase. Others were running down to see what the fuck had happened here. But Freddy stopped them as he himself scrambled for the stairs. No, we're back upstairs. I pointed the gun in his direction and pulled the trigger. <laughs> Gore splattered the family portrait on the wall behind him as the shells punched a hole through his chest. I'd just killed a third member of my family and was now $130 million down. <laughs> I laughed maniacally and the sheer hopelessness of my situation.
My hand hurt like a mother and made me stop laughing. As the fight ended and the adrenaline wore off, a stabbing pain came rushing up the nerves in my arm and assaulted my brain, making me drop the gun with a ringing clang. I collapsed to my knees, fiercely clutching the wrist of my wounded hand with the other. The deep cut throbbed, but the blood, which was pumping out to the beat of a metaphorical drum, stopped trying to escape my body, if only a little. Adam! My mom cried. You're hurt! I grunted. It's just a scratch. How about you, mom? I could see her body shiver. I'm fine. I have a slight headache, but nothing more. That's good. A slight bump on the head was a small price to pay for her survival, especially when compared to the ordeal that Aiden had in store for her. Fuck. That made me think of the debt that I found myself in. You should sit down, Daisy, Allison advised. You might have a concussion. She then helped me get up. Come on, we need to do something about that hand of yours. We have a first aid box in the bathroom. You can use that, James suggested. I looked at him and pointed at the gun with my elbow. Take it. Don't let anyone come down. If they try and force their way through, kill them. With his actions tonight, James had more than earned my trust. By taking on both Aiden and Cameron, kicking the latter into the pool, he'd shown himself to be extremely reliable. Besides, I didn't want to give the gun to Patty because, while I would trust her with my life in most situations, I couldn't do so in this case, as I didn't think she had what it takes to kill another human being. Well, you might say it was extremely stupid of me to let anyone else take the gun, no matter how much I believed in them. But I was exhausted, physically and emotionally. I just wanted a little peace and quiet, to be away from anything that reminded me of the horror we found ourselves in, if only momentarily. But of course, I kept half the remaining shells in my pocket. Alison led me to the bathroom before hitting the light switch. The opulent room was instantly bathed in a soft yellow glow, the light gently bouncing off the marbled floor and walls. She turned on the faucet, and I winced as the water rapidly smashed against my hand, threatening to widen the painful rift. I rotated my wrist to properly clean the area, while Alison fetched the kit from a shelf behind me. This will need some stitches, she said as she applied the antiseptic. Unfortunately, I can't do that right now, so I'll just apply the dressing. Didn't teach you that in the army, I asked. She smiled. I just don't have the right tools now, smartass. They were just not there, or did the administrators take them out? I wondered. I think it's the former. Why? I don't know, she shrugged. Something just seems a little off about all this. Yeah, well, it is a little out of the ordinary that we're being made to kill our family, I said wryly. She glanced at me, her green eyes full of sorrow and empathy, eyes that threatened to pull my own grief out of the dark place I'd hastily buried it in. I'm so sorry, baby. I can't imagine how hard this must be for you. Shh, it's fine. So, you were saying, I asked, quickly changing the subject. Have you seen the cameras? She asked as she tightly wrapped the bandage around my hand. They have a shit ton of blind spots. They do? Yes, she exclaimed. Don't you think it's weird? I mean, if your grandpa had this planned out, then each and every inch of this house should be covered by those CCTVs. But it's not. 
the way things stand, it's far more likely those cameras were set up by your average nutty reclusive old man than a, well, a raging sadistic psychopath. I felt confused. And the gas in the kitchen, she added. It still works. Why? Why would they risk a possible gas explosion? It makes no sense. The whole game seems to have been put up on short notice. Maybe immediately after Henry's death. What does that mean? What if your grandpa didn't set this up, Adam? I mean, have you seen the will? Like, physically held it in your hands and carefully perused it? I could see the confused expression on my bloody and bruised face in the mirror. Then, who else could it be? Someone from the company wanting to take out the legitimate heirs? A rival businessman? But, why would they go to this extent? I added. What's the fucking point in setting this game up? Why not hire killers to murder us, plain and simple? I don't know, she admitted. Maybe you're just overthinking this, baby. Let's just focus on surviving this hell for now. The two of us found an argument going on in the living room when we made it back there. An exasperated Patty was trying to reason with James and Wyatt, who were having a shouting match. Hey, I raised my voice. What's happening here? Wyatt's lost his fucking mind. James replied venomously. He wants to run away. Why would you want to throw your life away, Wyatt? I asked slowly. I... I can't. His voice trembled as his eyes turned red with tears. I, I can't do this anymore. The love of my life is lying dead just an arm's length away, and in the same room is her brother's corpse, and I helped kill him myself. Now James wants to... What does James want? Alison asked. To end this once and for all, James answered. We have the fucking numbers now, for the first time this night. Six present here, against five of them. Get a damn piece of paper, let's end this nightmare. He has a point, Adam, Patty said. Patricia, my mother cried. Well, it's true, Mom, she insisted. Or would you rather we die instead? Mom lowered her gaze, ashamed at the fact that she saw her point. Please, Wyatt begged. Don't ask this of me. I can't. Not for Vincent and Galen. They're just kids. They haven't even graduated college yet. I can't do this to them. And you think it was easy for me to kill my family members? I asked coldly. You've known them for, what, a couple of years at most. I grew up with them. This whole argument is completely pointless, Alison interrupted. There's six of us present here, yes, but there's also six of them. Brad, Freddy's wife Susan, Brenda, Brandy, Vincent, and Galen. Look, your calculations are off because you probably didn't count Galen who refused to sign the paper. But he's still alive. Because of that, we'd need seven to vote them out. And since George is missing, we're shit out of luck. Oh, fuck, James swore and rested his head in his hands, the shotgun placed precariously on his lap. I saw my mum tense up when Dad was mentioned. I think we were both avoiding the truth at this point, that he was likely dead by now. That doesn't change anything, Wyatt said, his voice firmer now. I've made up my mind. I'm going to try and escape. It's suicide, I warned. But you will die. What if I don't? he asked. What if I'm able to escape and call the cops? 
What if all this could have been avoided if we just tried to run away? Something you were the first one to suggest. It's not like that, I said defensively. Things are different now. Because you want them to be, he said accusingly. You have the most blood on your hands, Adam. So it's natural you're holding on to the admittedly strong possibility that escape is impossible. But I can't do that. I can't do this anymore. I have to try. Jesus Christ, man. Just listen to me. Adam. Allison gently cut me off. It's his decision. We can't force him not to do it. We're all adults with free will here, aren't we? We should be free to choose what road we want to go down. What? Even if it leads to hell? I asked. She nodded. All of us chose to accompany Wyatt to the front door. Except James, who was tasked to maintain vigilance near the stairs. You sure you don't want to take a car? Mum asked. Well, Frank was the one who parked them all, Wyatt answered. And considering that Adam told us he was an administrator, it's almost a certainty that they'll have all been tampered with. I don't want to crash or get blown up halfway down the hill. He shook our hands one by one. All right. I'm off. Make sure to run in a zigzag pattern, Allison suggested. He nodded, gave us one last look, and took off running. I heard his boots pound the gravel as he dashed down the driveway, before abruptly changing his direction in a roughly 90-degree angle. On and on he went, away from our little corner of hell, trying his hardest to stick to a zigzag pattern as he ran towards freedom and civilization. It really looked like he was going to make it. Then a sharp crack whipped through the air and he stumbled, before falling face first on the ground ungracefully, bringing all our hopes crashing down with him. What was that? Paddy yelled. Sniper, Allison exclaimed. All right, get back inside. The hair on my arm stood up as I realized that the shot had come from inside the house. While we were busy killing each other, those fuckers had placed their men in strategic positions right under our noses. Some cultures believe that when divine bad luck enters a person's life, it comes as a deluge of trouble. James came sprinting at us as we were running towards him. My blood ran cold at the utterly terrified look on his face. Vincent reached the shack. Vincent reached the shack, he screamed frightfully. How? Paddy shouted. Why did you let him get past you? I didn't, he replied as he jogged alongside us towards the sliding door that opened up to the pool. He fucking jumped off the balcony near the shack. Broke his fucking leg, too. By the time I got him in range with a gun, he crawled his way inside. Fuck, I swore. Oh, God, no, Mom cried. He must be buying a gun, Paddy said. No, James said as he placed his hand on my shoulder. He had a paper in his hand. What? How? They don't have the numbers, I shouted. Well, they do now that Wyatt's dead, Allison replied. Especially if they know for sure George is dead too. It made no fucking sense. They must have signed the paper before Wyatt had gone running out, or else the timelines don't match. Not to mention Dad's name was on the first paper too, so they couldn't have known that he was dead back then, even though he'd already gone missing. We must get away from here, I said. Who knows what the fuck is going to happen next? 
I got the answer to my question a second later. Seemingly dozens of armed men in what looked like SWAT gear poured out of the shack and started moving towards the house. We ran in different directions, but some of us weren't fast enough and were caught in the initial burst of fire. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw my mum get hit by multiple bullets and collapse on the ground, lifelessly. Furiously stamping out the grief and shock, I dove down to the ground and began crawling towards the back door of the kitchen that led out to the garage as bullets smashed into freaking everything around me. Glass, concrete, wood. The bullets showed no mercy on anything, mercilessly destroying everything in their path. And yet, I fought through the soul-crushing fear and kept pushing forward, driven by this point purely by an animalistic instinct for survival. I got out to the garage. The uneven rocky floor fucking up my knees and elbows. Then I felt a hand on my leg, and my heart almost gave out. To my relief, it was Alison who'd been right on my heels the entire time. Getting up on my hands and knees, I moved behind the false safety of a car and waited for Alison to catch up to me. No cameras here, she whispered, her voice barely audible. I nodded. Body covered in sweat, heart pounding dangerously in my chest. I was the most scared I had ever been in my life. Alarm bells were ringing all over my body. Every single cell was screeching, begging me to run away. Call me a cornered rat if you will, but I wouldn't even begin to get close to what I was feeling at that time. And then the door opened, and one of the attackers walked in. I strained my ears as I went completely still, not wanting to give my position away while tracking this guy's movements over the ear-splitting gunfire, which soon stopped. My heart beat in tandem with his footsteps as I ever so quietly tried to keep the breadth of the car between us. His radio crackled, and I almost squealed. Sweeper 7 here. Be advised. We've neutralized James and Patricia. Only two more left now. Anyone got eyes on them? No, no. I furiously blinked. Not the time to cry. Not now. A slew of negatives came out of the radio, and I went with a bated breath for our pursuer to say the same. He stopped. I swung his gun around, the mounted flashlight illuminating the ground inches from me. Allison grabbed onto me with vice-like claws and pulled me back. He took a step closer to us. We followed suit, trying to keep away from our deaths. My heart was not going to last long if we kept playing this deadly cat and mouse game. It was almost like this fucker had heard me, because he dropped down on his knees. Oh, Jesus, this is it. The end's here. I prayed. And God answered through the radio. I see movement in room one. I think I've located them. We got cameras in here? Our attacker got back on his feet and walked out. Relief flooded through me so aggressively that little stars danced in front of my eyes. Alison tugged at my shirt. What? I whispered. She pointed at something behind her. I craned my neck and saw some long cylinders stacked in a corner. As we got closer, I realized what they were. Green... K-bottles, those long gas cylinders you use in welding. I remember that because Grandpa loved building shit, 
He would often wag his finger in my face and tell me that's what real men did. The first time that night, I smiled as I thought of him. Alison was right about the game being set up in a hurry. No way these things could have been kept out in the open otherwise. Silently moving these cylinders closer to the kitchen took almost a minute, with every second feeling like a tortuous eternity. Luck was again on our side. They weren't nearby when we started emptying the cylinders, otherwise the loud hissing would have been our death knells. Alison smiled at me, her bared teeth reminding me of a tiger shark. She held her finger up and mouthed, Wait here, at me. Before I could stop her, she crawled into the kitchen, turned on the stove and hurried back to me. I quickly opened the remaining cylinders as she went and retrieved a can of kerosene, again from the corner that had been our salvation. I could hear people nearby. They were coming, right on time. We darted out of the garage, pouring a line of kerosene on the floor, all the way out to the middle of the driveway. It was a miracle the snipers didn't kill us. Well, in some cultures, when the gods of luck smile down on you, even death itself can't touch you. Alison took out a lighter and lit the trail of kerosene she'd set up. The fire spread instantly, racing towards the cylinders at an insane speed. The orange flames turned nearly white as they ate the gas, and with an audible thump, the spectacle started. The fire spread like a living thing, ravishing and devouring everything in its path. Wooden furniture, gas, clothing, flesh, everything became food for the ravenous beast. Panic shouting that soon turned into shrieks and screeches tore through the house. I don't know what the fuck had happened with the cylinders and the gas from the stove, but the flames were so powerful that we had to retreat as they even reached the top floor. A window broke upstairs, and a charred body came tumbling out. Then, I don't know why, the chemistry being beyond me, there was a huge fucking explosion. The concussion of the blast sent us flying backwards, momentarily knocking us out. I woke up to the sight of bright but tiny lanterns shimmering away in an infinitely vast black sea above me and the cold hard ground digging into my wounds from beneath. Little orange sparks drifted in the fiery wind emanating in waves from the blazing house, adding to the mesmerizing view in front of my bleary eyes. I grunted as I got up on my elbows, the pain in my sides almost slamming me back to unconsciousness. Alison was right beside me, just like she had been this entire hellish night. She coughed, dust and bits of ash constricting her lungs. Do you think we got them all? She asked. I sure hope so. Oh, fuck them, I whispered as I pulled her up. Fuck them. Hope they all burn in hell. Something crashed and the resultant sound boomed throughout the area. The fire was eating away at the very foundation of the house, which in turn was beginning to crumble to pieces, just like my family. Alison walked towards the roaring flames, and I called after her. What are you doing? It's dangerous. She stopped near the corpse that had come flying out of the window and began searching it. I gagged at the repulsive and overpowering stench of burnt flesh. Got it! She exclaimed as she grabbed a pistol out of one of the pockets that had almost melted into the skin 
but then winced and dropped it. Fuck, it's hot. She pulled her scarf off her neck and used it to pick up the gun. Damn, I hope the flesh hasn't gotten too deep inside the barrel. I don't want this thing jamming on me. I wretched. We made our way around to the backyard, trying to stay at a reasonable enough distance from the house that we could avoid both our potential killers, the unstoppable fire, or any sniper foolish enough to still be keeping watch. The back half of the mansion was still mostly safe, but I doubt that would last, looking at the speed with which the flames were leaping from room to room. We stopped and hid behind a bush when the infantry shack came into view. I saw Vincent slumped against the wall of the shack facing the pool, a sharp hole in his forehead being illuminated by the orange glow from the fire. Jeez, why did they kill him? I wondered. Finally tying up loose ends, Allison replied. I don't think a giant explosion was in their plans. So, what do you want to do? She asked me. We need answers, I said, and then pointed at the shack. And that's the only place we'll find them. We tiptoed over to the shack, staying close to the ground. We heard shouting and sporadic gunfire, but thankfully none of the bullets came our way. Once again I found myself in front of that door, this time my intentions being completely different. With trembling hands, I pushed the door open and came face to face with Frank again. Fuck it. Kill them all. No one should survive. He was screaming at the radio in his hand, but stopped when he looked at me. His eyes growing so wide it looked like they were going to pop out. You! You're still alive! He scrambled for something, presumably a gun, but Allison was faster, quickly firing two shots into his neck and chest, making him fall backwards. I was about to turn around and express my annoyance at Allison for killing the one man who could answer our questions, and potentially end this. But I didn't have to, because when he stumbled and fell backwards, he ended up pulling the black cloth down, and while the action was admittedly not as graceful as the curtains in a big theatre being drawn, the end results were no less spectacular. Weapons and monitors adorned the makeshift control room, and in the centre of it all, sitting with a burger in his hand, was my father, whose jaw dropped when he saw me. Adam. He gawped at us, then quickly composed himself. Thank God you're here. I thought they were going to kill me. What are you doing here, Dad? I asked dumbly. Why are you eating a burger? They offered it to me, he replied hastily. They've been keeping me here for God knows what reason. I don't understand, I mumbled, the gears in my mind turning, sliding the missing pieces of the puzzle in place, while one part of my brain desperately tried to stop this from happening, as terrified as I was of the horrifying image that lay in store for me when the puzzle was finally completed. You, Allison said accusingly, you did this. Now, Alison, Dad stammered as he put his hands in the air. I don't know what you're accusing me of, but please, let's not be too hasty here. Don't move, she shouted, or I will kill you, I swear it. Why are you eating a burger? I continued. Mom died. 
Why would you eat a burger? Daisy died? He said, sounding a little too shocked for it to be genuine. Oh, God. There are laptops all around you, watching our every move. How did you not see it? Anger began to build up inside me. You disappeared when this whole thing started. Why? Uh, let me explain, all right? Did you do all this? I, I, I didn't. <laughs> Why? No, you've got it all wrong. It was her. He frantically pointed at Alison. She's the one who did this. What? I glanced at her. Don't listen to him. He's lying. She's a gold-digging whore, Adam, he yelled maniacally. She's doing it for the money. You've seen how well she reacted to everything that happened, right? Didn't you? Almost like she knew what was happening, right? She's working for Frank. So you did see everything on the cameras. I accused him, and he turned pale at that. You're lying to me, Dad. Why? Is it about the money? No, no. He shook his head furiously. It's not okay. I didn't do it. You have to listen to me. He screamed, tears streaming down his face. Look, I'm your father. Why would I kill my own family? That's what I want you to tell me, I replied angrily. Maybe it's someone from the company. <laughs> he grasped at straws in a room completely bereft of them. I blinked to clear my eyes of tears that I wasn't even aware of. Why? I yelled. I, I, I didn't... Allison fired a shot on the floor. Okay, f fine. He flinched and then began to sob. I did it. I did it. Why? I asked yet again. His body shook as he cried. Was it about the money? He nodded. There never even was a will, was there? He nodded again wiped his face and began talking. The real world just splits the money amongst all living blood relatives. Pretty standard stuff, actually. So you did it for the money? $300 million worth killing all your family? Your daughter? Your wife? I asked, aghast. I didn't want... I didn't... <laughs> Tell me. Well, it seemed worth it at the time, he replied guiltily. Frank was the one who came to me with the idea. Said we could set it up so it looked like the family killed each other over the money. He said he knew people who could help us. He just needed one living member of the family to actually access the money. Just one. I tried to get him to let you and Daisy and Patty live, but he refused. Fewer survivors. Fewer people to split the money with, right? I didn't think it would turn out like this, he mumbled. What did you not think about, Dad? That you'd have to watch your kids get shot to bits, or that we would fucking stop you? I spat. I tried really hard to get him to change his mind. He whined pathetically. I didn't want you to die. But you ultimately made peace with that, didn't you? Jesus Christ, Dad. Patty loved you. She thought the fucking world of you. I'm sorry. What about Jonathan? Alison asked. 
Is he even a real liar? He shook his head. Oh, fuck. And those assassins? Why send them out? I wondered. The other group didn't have the numbers, so why? Why did you break your own rules? Brandy's baby, he answered. The paper had her name, too. Brianna, Vincent said. That's what they were going to name her. Frank thought it was hilarious and decided to humor them. Doesn't matter now. They've all been killed now. Vincent, Galen, Brenda, Brandy, Brad, Susan, all gone. Only you two are left. You fucking piece of shit. Dad saw the look on my face and shrank back in fear. Look, we can fix this. Frank's dead. I can call them off. Tell them the game's over. Just pay them off. Look, we can split the money. $150 million each for the two of us. That's nice, right? My blood boiled at his stupidity. You still care about the fucking money. What the fuck is wrong with you? No, no, please, he said as he reached for the radio. I'll fix this. I'll show you. Dad lied again. He wasn't reaching for the radio. He was reaching for a gun. Allison saved my life yet again that night and turned me into an orphan. I quickly shut my eyes to stop myself from seeing it, but it was too late. The image of my dead father was seared into my memory. I wondered, as I would thousands of times later in my life, whether I could have done anything to change this, whether there were any signs that I missed, whether I should have somehow known that he was capable of doing something like this. I remember speaking to a friend of mine involved in a property dispute with her sister. She'd tell me how she was blindsided by court cases after her mother died, how her own sister pounced on the chance to extract as much wealth as she possibly could. Does money always do this to a person? Or were they always this way and our love and naivety just prevents us from seeing the truth? Ah, oh, I guess I would never really know the answer to that question. Because it's not so easy to judge these things in hindsight. We can always find little factoids that we can mould to fit our own biased perception of events. Adam. Adam. I felt a hand on my shoulder, bringing me back to reality. We need to get out of here. How? I sighed. How many of them are still living? Will they really let us leave? Yeah, but the masterminds are all dead, right? There's no one left to pay them for the job. She picked up the radio and tossed it at me. We killed their friends. Do you think they'll just let us go? What if they kill us for revenge? Well, look, I'm willing to bet on the greed and selfishness of mercenaries. I'll press the button. Hi. Is anyone listening to this? There was no response. I continued. George and Frank are dead. I repeat... Those who hold your contract, or are planning to pay you, are now gone. We killed them. There's nothing keeping you here. You all should leave. I got nothing but static in response. What does this mean? I asked Allison. Are they planning on killing us, or letting us go? She shrugged. I don't know. Only one way to find out. I... I don't want to die. She held my hand. Let's go. 
So together we hobbled out of the house, leaving the burning ruin behind us once and for all. Not once did we see a single sign of another human being. Either the surviving mercenaries had all left, or they were just that good. We stopped at the edge of the property, which looked empty and forlorn now. You ready? She asked with my arm around her for support. I nodded. Thank you, Ali, for saving my ass repeatedly tonight. I'd have been long dead if not for you. She smiled, her blood-stained cheeks somehow turning redder. I love you too, silly. We took one more step, and no bullets came looking for our skull. So yeah, I um I pose that very question to you um on the community tab on the channel, um and more than five thousand of you voted, and um, hundreds and hundreds of comments. Uh, quite a uh, fertile subject area, don't you think? Yeah. So what would you do for three hundred million? Would you kill half your family like these guys did? Well, that's a hell of a question, isn't it? Um, well, that definitely escalated quite quickly, didn't it? From all of them saying, "No, no, 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 we're not going to kill each other," to um an absolute slaughter. So. Do you think his girlfriend was part of it? Not quite sure myself. She might have been, you know. Didn't really clear things up at the end, did it? Well, fantastic story. So glad to have been able to do that one for you. And we'll be back with something brilliant on Wednesday, yep. These days roll around so quickly, don't they? Something brilliant for you on Wednesday as well. But until then, my dear friends, very, very sweet dreams. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time listening to me. Now, if you enjoyed the Dr. Creepin experience, then come find me on Facebook. Come chat with me on Twitter. Listen to the background music and download it if you like on SoundCloud. Drop by the store, pick up a t-shirt. And, importantly, if you've got a story you'd like me to read, send it to Dr. Creepin's Vault, the subreddit I set up so that I could read your stories. Now, Looking forward to seeing you all again real soon, so come check me out, okay?